Light-skinned way to open the show. Thank you, sis. Thank you. I'm feeling calm. I'm drinking tea. I know. That's so, like, debargy and adjuicious. All you need is a jerry curl. You're in there. You don't see it. But, uh... (laughs) (laughs) You're so... Such a soul glow. Just let it shine through. (laughs) Just let my soul glow. Sing in the key of Z flat minor. You, sis, it's you, flat minor. Get it right. <laughs> I'm singing in Q sharp. Y'all don't, y'all don't want me, honey. I'm out here. I'm a soprano X. <laughs> <laughs> don't irritate me. Praise the Lord, niggas. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome me, welcome you, welcome back to Getting Grown with Jade and Kia. I'm Kia. That's Jade, and on Ooh. this. On this little trifling show, we talk about all things adulting. Little the good, Debbie. The, bad. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. The tests, the trials, the twists, the turns, the taxes of being a real live adult. In the year of our Lord, 2018, what's cracking, sis? How was your week? It was a, it was a week of travels. Indeed it was. was. It was burning up the highways and byways. Sis, it was a busy week. I was traveling to the to the district of columbia and to the gainesville virginia oh i was God. all over the where place you, i don't even know where that is I don't even it's, know near where man, it's near man asses virginia <laughs> <laughs> you are so stupid <laughs> it's near man asses i want so, you to grow up can you grow up please never i'll never grow up I'm Peter Pan, Michael Jackson. So um <laughs> i was burning up the highways you and i had the pleasure and honor of um, hosting the Q and A for the Amen. real life. Ooh, y'all just y'all just y'all don't lie. play fair. Y'all lie. Let me uh, no. Allow no, just us to play. just be frank for just one moment, okay? You all tell lies. <laughs> <laughs> you all tell lies like a rug. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's hard. We want to be supportive and and you know help our friends celebrate them. As they, you know, have another sold out show. Um, and, you know, we, we hope to have entertaining Q&A segments filled with colorful questions. Um, but every time we aspire to that, we are just not able to reach that goal. Why? Because y'all don't follow very simple, clear Clearly delineated and explained instructions. You refuse. You no, actually they lie. Don't. They just lie. They, they don't. No, 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 no. To do it, y'all don't listen to rules and y'all lie. 
So I mean, y'all say do what you want to do. And I mean, I just feel like you should be warned that if you continue on this path, the Q&A segment is going to die. It's going to die. <laughs> because I'm just telling you, I mean, you heard it here first, you know? Y'all got to learn. Y'all got to learn how to just follow instructions. Uh, Every fe- single person. Man, Fury said very, very quick, like very clearly he said, you get to ask one question. Your question needs to be like relatively direct. Like you, we don't need 15 minutes of backstory before you get to the question. But every time, each and every time. It's a plug. It's, you know, a, it's a it's a soliloquy. It's a, it's a sonnet. You know what I'm saying? It, what I'm so saying. listen, we got to plug. We got to do what we got to do. But God, there's a there's a time and a place. And um, y'all lie. Y'all just flat out lie. If you would have just told me I want to plug, I'd be like, no. I actually had a couple of people who were like, I have a question. I'm going to tell you what it is and tell me if it's a good question. And I said no. And they walked away. (laughs) I tried to vet as best as possible. And then the people that I had lied to me and told me, I have a good question. I promise. It's brief. I will, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then they get on a microphone and wild out. Like, like they was on Nick Cannon show. I, just, I <laughs> look, you I mean, got me talking in slave. I said they's like, come on. <laughs> it's very, it's very, very, I mean, you know, awesome. I mean, as awesome as it is for our friends to have a sold out show, we really appreciate you guys for supporting live shows. It's like amazing the way that people come out. Um, and I, I do believe that there are people with valid, uh, real answerable questions in the audience. But the, the, the trick is, you know, you got to find those people. Um, and there are tons of people who want to ask a question within like a, a segment of the show that's 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so then like there's pressure for us to kind of pick through who all the hands are raised. People are screaming your name. It's just like a lot. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we don't have to go any further, but just know <laughs> That while it was an awesome joy to, you know, participate in the re live in DC, and we will surely do it in the future. We are just asking, really begging and pleading for you, <laughs> for you all to just be a bit more thoughtful about Stop lying. about you know the the kinds of questions you want to ask, um, whether or not they're even questions at all. <laughs> <laughs> like some people will go up to Asante and be like, I have a gift. And Asante will be like, okay. Right, <laughs> At awesome. least we know what it is. But y'all, you can't lie and tell me you got a question. And then you just don't have a question. You just want to freestyle on the microphone. You know what I'm saying? Like you blue ivy. I'm just saying like, y'all got to stop lying. Like you put making it hard on me when you lie. <laughs> so... You make it hard. You do make it hard. You make it so hard. And then my face does not lie. Yeah. My face is... Listen, we got tweets today. Jade nor myself have have a poker face. Like, literally, I think that our angst and frustration were visible. Like, (laughs) what we felt was palpable in the room. The people knew that we were feeling away. People didn't know, but I told one girl, I said, my arm is getting tired. Like in the middle of her asking the question, I said, my arm is dying. I'm about to take this microphone. Listen, we love you guys down, <laughs> but we just want y'all to just. Listen. We're not with the shits. 
All right. All right. All right. Um, so let's take out some yeah. trash this week. Let's do it. Let's take out some trash. That's actually that's actually not trash at all. Um, and we're gonna start it out because Wakanda forever, forever Bla- and ever and ever. Black plant, but Lord Jesus, I'm gonna say Black Planet. Yeah, I was oh trying to say Black gosh. Planet. What the hell is Are wrong you with me? drunk? No. <laughs> um, Black not Panther. This not this time. Not ooh, ooh, <laughs> not this time. Uh, Black Panther has hit one billion dollars. One have- billion dollars. Let's just dollars. sit with that for a moment, shall we? One billion, billion. American dollars. dollars. I mean, no crypto, no crypto coin, no listen, like listen. not invest like one billion like actual, actual US, US dollars. Dollars, nigga. Fort Knox. Oh, God be praised. Dollars. And uh, you know, this this show is a no Ryan zone. We we do not tolerate Ryan's, but I feel <laughs> like no we Ryan have to make zone. an exception for Ryan Coogler. Uh, oh, absolutely. Ryan, uh, you are welcome here. <laughs> because you, are, you, are, you always have a seat at this you, kitchen you table. You have a seat at this kitchen table. I want you to come. And I will actually furnish your snacks because you deserve. You deserve awesome snacks because uh, you've done a marvelous My nigga deserves a meal. Yes, indeed. My nigga deserves a meal. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Uh, Thanksgiving, and, my nigga. Three meats. Yeah, man. Three meats. Uh, all the sides. Any sides. You choose the sides. Whatever you want. Uh, but yeah, potato salad. Shout whatever. out to Ryan. Shout out to the entire cast of the most brilliant black movie uh, of our time, uh, which is coming bike. Which is coming bike for, for a, sequel. a sequel. Black Panther two has been confirmed. My edges are already in place. I probably can can account for about at least two to three percent of that one billion dollar revenue with my ticket sales alone. I have given them an inexcusable amount of my own money absolutely <laughs> uh, and i'm not ashamed i'm not ashamed to say it that i've been to see well, that we were riding back from time. dc it was me tristan noah and my friend mary in the car and between the four of us noah included we counted 10 black panther tickets i, mean, <laughs> I don't so, see a problem i don't i do no. not Actually, the only problem I see is that it ain't enough. That's right. I mean, I was going to say that's that's. I was expecting you to say twenty, but listen, I understand. It's almost. We watched it once on bootleg, but that was for the kids. So, listen, Chadwick understands. Does he? If you watch Jimmy Kimmel, I he did does. See. I did see. <laughs> he, he understands. I did see him. He understands. So he knows we gave our good our good American black dollars. Um. And then on ugh, the next thing, for the first time Ever. in history of the world, or if you're a hotep in herstory, the number one and number two spots in the box office are belonging to black directors. Ava DuVernay and Ryan Coogler are sitting in the number one and number two spots for Black Panther in A Wrinkle in Time. Clap your hands, it's, everybody. Come on, y'all. If you ain't never been proud to be black, you better, like, come on, y'all. It's all right. Just clap your hands. In history. Join me in this round of applause. Please. Please. And thank you. That's why it's Black History Year. You know what I'm saying? Because we're just going to be out here. Just... Oh, then we got to clap. We got a Black History clap then. Hey. No music. Oh, we are so, <laughs> so terrible for that. Um, 
<laughs> I am embarrassed that I just did that. Anyway. I'm not. I'm proud. Uh, so if you guys, you guys, you got to see history in 2018, you know, take your kids, take yourselves to go see A Wrinkle in Time, which I will be doing this week. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to squeeze that in Atlanta at all, but I'm going to go see it. And then I want to take Noah to go see it. Uh, Black Panther. I can, I'm going to continue to go see it probably until it leaves the movie theater. And then um, next. Mm-hmm. On the run two was announced. It was um, this time uh, for real because I think the last time was yeah. a, a <laughs> on somebody's part. I don't know who, but I'm sure that they've been fired. And you know Beyonce's rich because she announced it on the twelfth. So let's just do some simple math really quick for like normal human beings. Mm-hmm. The twelfth is eleven days after rent is due <laughs> and three days before you get paid again. So for those in America who live a general paycheck to paycheck lifestyle, not saying that's the right thing, still doing that finance episode, (laughs) just saying in real life, because this is about adulting and for real. (laughs) The 12th is not a day. Now, the tickets did not go on sale today. She is giving us a grace period of a few days. Right. But the 12th is a very poor day. I mean... And Beyonce don't care. And my Beyonce contingency fund is just not up to par. I'm not able at this point. I'm just hoping for the best. I'm hoping... I don't know. Yeah. I'm just hoping for the best. That's really all that I can do. I've talked to the Lord about it. Um, And we'll just have to see what he says. I'm going to try. This is all I can do. I have to... I have to give, since I am right here in the same uh, boat off of that Titanic with you, um, I have to give a shout out to our sis Shari in Atlanta, the Jazzy Bell on Twitter. Oh, yes. One of the funniest people I know who put a tweet up today. These are, this, is, this is a layout. This is like how, how, how it's going to go um, at On The Run, an example. Jay-Z's going to get on the mic and he's going to say, I can't see him coming down my eyes. I saw this. Woo! <laughs> but I gotta make this song cry. <laughs> the women of the Jabari tribe will not hear Jay Z or his tears. They are not. They are just not welcome in this dancery. <laughs> and then somebody else said the only reason Jay Z and Beyonce is taking Jay Z on tour is because he can't be trusted at say, home. She for got five to watch months. him. She's got to watch him. <laughs> you got to keep him in front of you. Keep your eyes. You got to keep them listen. in front of you. Like, nigga, you can't fuck up if we're working together. So you keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> your enemies closer. <laughs> Long-handled spoon. <laughs> so uh, I had one more thing for trash, but I actually think I want to keep this at no at no trash this week. So we're just going to just throw that right on away where it belongs. All right. The trashless trash. <laughs> Trashless trash. Let's move on to shout out to my sis. My sis is popping right now. Like, shout out to my sis. All right. So we got an email. Um, it says, Hey, cousins, Jaden Kia. First, I want to say thank you for the podcast. You guys give me so much life every week and pick, pick up my mood no matter what gets thrown at me during the week. The podcast is literally a staple. Thank you, my love. Yeah, man. I wanted to email to ask for a shout out 
<clears throat> so I lo- so I'm super excited about this. Shout out to my sis. When I saw this email, I said, well, we have to do this. I wanted to email to ask for a shout out for a fundraiser that my school's chapter of the Black Law Students Association is doing. I am the current president of CUNY School of Law chapter, and each year we raise funds for black law students to have summer fellowships, allowing them to work in black, unserved, un- excuse me, underdeserved communities, usually by way of legal internship. This helps students to be able to live in and travel to the places where they work, be it in New York or anywhere else they may work. We aim to raise $9,000 to provide summer fellowships to three black law students. Could you please give us a shout out to help us reach our goal? So we're going to provide the link in the description box. It is a very long link, so I'm not even going to attempt to read it to you guys. <laughs> um, but we're going to make sure that we put that in the description box. I've also attached our social media account so you can see some of what we've done this year. So you can check check them out on Instagram and Facebook. On Instagram, it is uh, CUNY BLSA. And on Facebook, it is facebook.com forward slash CUNY dot BLSA. We'll make sure to put all of the information in the description box, because let me tell y'all, Black History Year, we're going to make this happen. Yeah, man. Um, I Shout out to the BLSA um, and shout out to the young lady. What's her name? Lori? Lori. Yeah, shout out to Lori for letting us know about this awesome cause. Um, Absolutely. I'm all for... Uh, you know, not only um, positioning some students to get some awesome and much needed experience that will propel their careers forward, but also circling back these services into communities that have been consistently underserved. Um, So this is an awesome way that we can all kill two birds, one stone. Um, And I feel like, yeah, like Jay said, as soon as I saw this email, I was amped to announce it. So Thank you, Lori, for letting us know about the awesome work that you're doing. You guys be sure to support um, the BLSA at CUNY Law School, CUNY School of Law um, in New York. And uh, yeah, you guys let us know, you know, about the progress that you're making and the awesome work that you're doing. Continue to, you know, let us know how we can uh, be supportive. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to make sure to donate my little monies. Because I want to make sure that this happens. Yeah, these guys are going to get a couple. I'm going to throw a few of my little coins yeah, as well. Absolutely. So make sure you guys make sure you guys for sure check out the link in the description box. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, bet. Boom. Let's move on to kitchen table talk. Today's sponsor, Your Art Gallery, has revolutionized the way you buy art by creating an easy, convenient, affordable online platform that you can access from the comfort of your own home. They have partnered with print provider. Dugal Visual Solutions, which with more than 50 years of experience working with the top artists, is known for offering the finest quality art reproduction available in this industry. Better yet, your art gallery encourages all levels of artists from around the world to exhibit on the site. So buyers can purchase pieces from talented young painters and photographers, as well as seasoned professionals. And 90% of the art fee goes directly to the artist that is unprecedented for an art gallery. Not to mention the company adheres to sustainability guidelines by recycling between 80 to 90% and using environmentally friendly materials. So the painting that I got in the mail actually was made out of metal, which I thought was really cool. Needless to say, you can feel good about shopping at your art gallery, knowing that the price goes to supporting the art community and protecting the environment. Start shopping for art today on yourartgallery.com and use promo code GROWN at checkout to get 25% off your first order. That's yourartgallery.com, 
promo code G-R-O-W-N for 25% off. All right. It's time to gather around the kitchen table um, and discuss some super important adult real life things um, with a with a dash of hood rash. Yeah. <laughs> um, sis, are you do you have any snacks? Um, I have this ginger peach tea and this um, cranberry antioxidant trail mix with almonds, cranberries, and sunflower seeds. Oh, that, is, <laughs> that sounds quite I didn't, pleasant. I didn't have any dinner tonight. I didn't really either. It's a, you know, it's a crunch. I didn't really either. What kind of soup did you throw out? <laughs> I threw it out because I didn't really want it. It was wonton soup. When I, when I had it initially, it was delicious, but it didn't really warm up all that well. No, that's not one that translates too well. Oh, you know what I had the first for the first time out in DC this weekend? What? Kava. Oh, that's like the Mediterranean Chipotle. Chipotle, yeah. It was mm-hmm. very pleasant, actually. I've never <laughs> I, had it. There's one literally across the street from my house, and I walk past I it often, but I'm just be like, okay, well, there it is. And I forget who we were walking with one day, and they were like, I love Kava. Fran. Was that Toya? Fran? <laughs> of course it was Fran. <laughs> I loved kava. What I mean, did you get? they had spice. I got so they have bowls, right? So I got arugula. So for you know, just a little, just a little note for everybody. Arugula is really good because it's peppery, so it has like peppery notes to it. So I got arugula. You can get a um, super green mix too, but I got arugula and chicken, uh, harissa chicken and um, spicy lamb meatballs, and you you it's unlimited topping. So I got like some, some roasted red pepper hummus and some tahini and some tzatziki and some sriracha, something or other and tomatoes and cucumbers and there's quinoa and all kinds of, it's just, it's endless toppings. It's delicious. Oh, and rice, you have brown rice. Um, and it's all like seasoned. It's just good. It's just really, really good. Well, that sounds delightful. It was very delightful. And they give it to you with a pita. (laughs) <laughs> you enunciated that very well. With a piece of peach. um, awesome. I don't really have any snacks either. I'm just drinking this. Um, I don't have peach iced tea. I have lemon iced tea. Oh, this is Trader Joe's. It's not. It's now iced tea because it's gotten cold. But it's that Trader Joe's <laughs> ginger peach. Oh, yeah, I got to get the yeah. That's it's it's one of my favorites. I can't drink- ginger pear. Ginger pear. Oh, right. I can't drink tea. Is it decaffeinated? I can't drink tea at night anymore because I'd be in the bed like with eyes wide open. Like I actually don't know, and I think I'm immune to caffeine at this point because there was a point. Yeah, I'm not that girl. When I was bartending, I I drink. I would drink like seven shots of espresso in a night in order to keep myself going. Oh God! So I think I have that a problem now. Dreadful. Yeah, I feel like my body would literally explode. Sometimes it does, but you know, it always comes back. <laughs> Caffeine literally gives me the jitters. It does. Like it gives me jitters. if I have enough of it, like there are times there, like if I need a super productive day at work, and I'll go get a ha- iced coffee, I can literally drink about a third to maybe even half of it, and I am like. Go, go, go. Go, go, Gadget Kid. Like, I am just like, hey, hey. All right, let's get done. I'm jealous. I'm just over there acting like I done had some uh, Adderall or something. It's crazy. I'm very jealous. Really? (laughs) Yes. That's why I don't like to drink it. Like, I'm much more of a tea drinker. Like, if I drink coffee, that means, you know, I mean business. I need to get some real stuff done. But tea calms me down. Although I am one of those, um, I don't know if it's, I think it's my parents or or whatever, but I am one of those like coffee with dessert people. 
So I love a coffee with a dessert, it, whether it be a night or whatever. A coffee and a dessert is just, just the perfect ending to the night for me. My family didn't drink coffee. Well, my, gra- my grandmother drank coffee and my uncle drinks coffee. My grandfather didn't drink. My mother does sometimes, too. But um, I can't really um, She was about the only one. Me and my brother didn't drink coffee. I remember being younger and asking my grandfather why he don't drink coffee, why he didn't drink coffee. And he said, like, coffee makes you ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And that that thing stuck with me for, like, years. And he'd be like, but do that grandma drinks coffee? He'd be like, well... (laughs) The old people, Shay. Oh my god, I love it. It was so funny. Especially but, I mean, Mary Shay, because they be mean as shit to each other, and it's just the best. It's the best, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like those little things. Like, I don't know. Like, that's such like a black man thing to do, just to make up some. My brother Absolutely. was really big, and he was very like, uh, at like he had a really athletic build. He was huge, and it looked like he lifted a lot of weight, mm-hmm. but he didn't. He was just a big dude yeah, by nature. Big meaty guy. He used to tell people, like people used to ask him, uh, you know, man, what are you lifting? What are you doing? He'd be like, I don't do that stuff. And he was like, lifting weights don't you grow. <laughs> <laughs> Brian was, old, literally said he was a straight old black man, man before. <laughs> like for real. Like Brian was an old black man at like 12 years old. I don't he want no like, birthday cake. I want cheddar bay biscuits with candles. Right. In them. He was so old. And it was amazing. <laughs> and and it would always be like a dude who's like five eight, like in his, like lifting three hundred pounds. And my brother would be like, see there? See? And then you could have been six three. <laughs> Straining his muscles. I'd be like, that's right. Science. Look at it. It's clear. We just would troll people. That's why I miss my brother. We would just troll people. Like the time uh we uh we used to do stuff like going to, to tanning salons. <laughs> we used to go into tanning salons and make appointments <laughs> and just look at the people. <laughs> Like, I would like to make an appointment. And if you like, for what? What you mean for what? What is this? A tennis <laughs> or not? What is it? Yeah. That reminds You'd me. You'd be like, oh my God. We, we could be arrested. Me, me and XD. You said, when we were really poor and we didn't have any money to go entertain ourselves, so we had to make things up. Um, For those who don't know XD, XD speaks like quad. Off of marriage and medicine. What? He does. He knows he does. Miss Quad. Miss Quad. Quad with a dash. She like with a dash of Kardashian. Miss Quad. Miss Quad. He got it. So he speaks like Quad. But he speaks in Kardashian. It's very interesting. So just I'm just giving you a picture in case you don't know him. But he's a big nigga. He's like six two, six three. How you doing? Um, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> we used to go in motels, in hotels, and be like, hi, excuse me. Uh, do you have hourly rates? <laughs> <laughs> you are so stupid. Oh my gosh. Why are we friends? Ooh. All right, let's actually get to the meat of the matter and what we actually came here for. We, we actually we have are, things to talk we about. We have something to talk about. Um, God, that was a long tangent. We apologize. It was. I'm sorry. 
Uh, this week we are going. So as you know, getting grown, we started our book club um, last mm-hmm. month, and we're reading or have read our very first book. Um, the sisters are all right by Tamara Winfrey Harris. Um, and we are going to kind of pilot <laughs> the getting grown book club. Um, this is going to be like our pilot episode. So what we've done is, um, we've selected a chapter of the book that we're going to talk about, um, as kind of like our introduction and give like an overview of what, uh, Kind of like what the book kind of, uh, right, we're going to give an overview of the book itself and kind of lay out um, how the book is structured and, you know, the way that it kind of breaks things down chapter by chapter. And we've selected one chapter to dis- to center our discussion around for tonight. And then we will, at the end of the kitchen table, pose a question to you all. And hopefully, maybe we'll do a poll on Twitter or something to... Um, identify which chapter or chapters you guys want to discuss and in what ways. Because we want to make this an interactive book club. Like, we don't want it to just be like what me and Jay think about the book, but we want to engage with you, our listeners. Um, yep. We thought that this might be a cool way to do that. Um, so mm-hmm. we will have like a question or a poll or something that will ask you guys which chapter or chapters of the book you'd like for us to discuss um next or in a subsequent episode before the month is out um and if you have any particular uh questions or discussion prompts that you want us to pull out uh, like i said we want to make this a actual book club versus me and jay just talking about how we feel about the books that we read absolutely um um yeah go ahead and we <clears throat> we should probably put up a poll for our second book, yeah. Um, seeing as how Auntie Michelle's book is not out yet, so we'll put up a poll for the She's second make book. Us wait till November. She is. So in November, you all know what the book's gonna be. Yeah, but it's going down. <laughs> it's going down. For April, we will put up a poll um, to figure out what you guys want to talk about next. But for the next few episodes, we're gonna get into the sisters are all right, changing the broken narratives of Black women. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like I said, we will put up a poll. Also, let us know what, uh, if you have suggestions for books to add to the poll, um, Mm -hmm. send those along too. And we're going to get that out, uh, within the next, uh, couple weeks, definitely before March is out, um, so that we can select the book for April, uh, before April gets here. All right. So. Um, like I said, the sisters are all right, uh, really focuses on the humanity of black women. Um, the author, uh, Tamara, um, or Tamara Winfrey Harris, she tackles common misconceptions, ideologies, beliefs, assumptions, etc., that marginalize, misrepresent, and simplify or oversimplify the life's experiences, images, narratives of black women. Um, and she does so uh, in a pretty cool way. Um, I liked it, at least. Um, each chapter in the book focuses on and unpacks one of these ideas or misconceptions. Um, and the chapters deal specifically with beauty, standards of beauty, like are you pretty for uh, a Black girl, um, how those standards of beauty have kind of been articulated and experienced by Black women. 
Um, the same for sex and sexuality, marriage, mm-hmm. motherhood, anger, strength, and health. Um, and there's a prologue and an epilogue in the book that kind of tie all these things together. So if you have not yet gotten into the book, I encourage you to, not just for the sake of our conversation, but just because I feel like Harris uh, really puts together um, a solid uh, presentation of um, the way that Black women in America have experienced and are experiencing their womanhood um, as understood or as understood by themselves, juxtaposed by how they're portrayed in, in the media. Um, and the images of Black women that we are kind of uh, presented and oftentimes bombarded with uh, throughout our day-to-day lives. So um, we've we've decided to pick um, the anger chapter to kind of start the conversation and really kind of unpack Harris's discussion of the angry Black woman. Um, And, you know, so... I don't know. What do you think would be best? Is do you think that we should kind of give an overview of what Harris talks about, or we should just jump right into kind of questions and then kind of interweave the Harris into our discussion? What do you think? We can give a uh, we can give an overview first, and then and then start. Well, actually, no. Let's weave it. Okay. But I do want to start off with a quote. All right, then. Um, a quote in the chat, and so that we're so we're talking about chapter five. That's what we're getting oh, into. Oh yes, I'm sorry, I should have said um, that. Just no, it's fine. <clears throat> Chapter five, anger, twist and shout. Um, and a quote, I just want to start start the discussion off with this and then we can just let it flow how it flows. Okay. But it says, first angry lady of the United States. This is on this is on page 79. Generally speaking, I try hard to be happy and bubbly, says Gloria Pruitt, 35. I recognize as a black woman that I don't have the luxury of having a wide range of emotions for fear of being called angry. I'm careful about how I present myself, especially with non-black people. Whenever you have a conversation with someone, you feel like you're carrying all of black womanhood on your shoulders. Ain't that real? That's so real. (laughs) I just thought that would be a really (laughs) pointed way to start the conversation. Awesome way to kind of just... Just kickball changes right into it. So, um, all right, let me see. So, uh, Harris starts off the chapter by kind of giving an example, providing a real a real life example of the angry black woman stereotype in action. Mm-hmm. Um, she uses an article um, written about Shonda Rhimes in 2014. Shortly after the um, release of the show, How to Get Away with Murder. And in the article, um, the author, Alessandra Stanley, my assumption, because I don't know for sure. My (laughs) assumption is that Miss Stanley believes that she is celebrating Shonda Rhimes Mm -hmm. for reclaiming the angry Black woman stereotype by producing or writing or creating characters like uh, Annalise Keating and Olivia Pope. And she likens these, um, the characteristics of these successful, professional, uh, um, assertive, no-nonsense, 
uh, intentional type A kind of women uh, with being like she kind of conflates that with the angry black woman woman uh, trope that's existed in images of black women in the media. I was telling Jade about parts of the article. I don't want to read it for several reasons, but but uh, <laughs> but uh, throughout the article, she talks about the ways that these characters, characters like Annalise Keating and Olivia Pope are far and away different than the no, kind of, I think, I'm trying to think the words she used, sassy, uh, holier-than-thou, know-it-all kind of depictions of Black women in TV shows and movies in the 70s. She Mm -hmm. specifically about Esther Roll, who um and mm. who played the maid in the in the show Maud. Um kind of like that domestic where the kind of mammy kind of character. Um and she's saying that, you know, the angry black women of yesteryear within that character, within that conceptualization, um is now a professional woman. <laughs> So she, mm -hmm. so Shonda Rhimes has literally, uh, she says that Shonda Rhimes has reclaimed the um, angry black woman stereotype by writing characters who are much like herself. So there's, so the article is laden with assumptions <laughs> that uh, the women, the characters have anything to do with Shonda Rhimes and that just by virtue of being educated, uh, assertive, agentic um, women. They are also angry. Um, and she, I think that that gives the conversation, uh, like I said, it, you know, she, if she sets the tone for really kind of unpacking this, this trope of the angry woman, um, and she also, and then draws from women who she's, who she's talked to um, about their experience uh, uh, with this, this concept of, of being angry as a black woman and, you know, tries to figure out where it kind of comes from. So she talks about women um, and reality TV and TV being kind of like the main way that society has learned about what it means to be a black woman. And as such, the kind of standards that we are held to, the expectations people have of us are largely based on the things that they see through the media, et cetera, et cetera. So that being mm -hmm. said, I thought we could have a discussion about this angry black woman trope, um, leaning on some of the things that uh, Harris has pulled out throughout the chapter um, and um, using those things to kind of frame a conversation about our own lives and the ways that we've encountered this. So I will start by asking you, sis, has anybody ever mm -hmm. called you an angry black woman flat out? Um, or, <laughs> you know, not just angry. So not just the words angry, but oftentimes, you know, common words that are often conflated with angry. So has anybody ever said that you're bossy, loud, mean, sassy, <laughs> spicy, aggressive. aggressive intimidating because that's the one that I hate the most but um, yeah 
tell me some stories about ways in which, you know, you've encountered that word or that um, title. Um, oh, wow. There's so many stories. Thousands of them. <laughs> Thousands of them. And of course, none of them have anything to do with the fact of what the other person did or the fact that I'm tired or frustrated or that I'm a black woman. <laughs> it's just I am an angry mm-hmm. black woman. I have been called all of those things uh, in addition to black bitch um, and so many others. I think the most recent that I can think is that there was a, I, I mentioned it early on in the show, and I'm, I don't really care about um, being PC I'm about right, right now, but I have a, a guy that I used to work with, I used to work under, who um, ended up getting fired from the company. Now, he has since lied and told people that he quit mm-hmm. the company, but he got fired from the company. Let's just keep it very real, uh, because there were a bunch of women who came forward and said that he had made moves on them in addition to the fact that he was sleeping with the girl. Uh, underneath him, even though they didn't Pause, a that was so immature. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I apologize. So you know, I live <laughs> for those moments. But um, anyway, you know, I never had. You know, I I'm not his type, so I never expected him to hit on me, regardless. But one thing I was told uh, by several people is that oh, he never hit on you a because you ain't his type, and b because he's scared of you. well why would he ever be scared of you jade i have no clue i do not i do not fancy myself as As pleasant and sweet as you are my god i am literally one of the sweetest people you will ever meet in your life i do not understand where that came from so it was multiple people who said it however i don't know where it came from but i say all that to say yes there are multiple stories i'm not gonna bore you all (laughs) to death but there are multiple stories where i've been called angry and i've been called angry uh angry black woman in some form or fashion by black men by white men by white oh god help us you know that 53 percent loves to stick their damn high heels in their mouth (laughs) and um and I'm not having it, but <laughs> not having it. But yes, I have been called an angry black woman by a plethora um, of people. And I do not allow it to define who I am as a person because I know that I'm not an angry black woman. I know my experiences and you do not know my experiences. And so therefore you do not have the authority. And this white woman who wrote this article wrote it like you said, she thought she was and doing something, but she and wrote it in this in this authoritative tone. Of that she got that somebody cares about what she got to say about right. black women. And let me just tell you something. We don't. And you know, uh later on in the um in the chapter, I'm gonna read another quote. It's on, I don't know, let me see. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me think about it. Um <laughs> we'll have a real discussion with y'all. This is I a know, real right? book club. This is it's on page eighty one, I believe. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm here. Uh where she talked uh well, she's talking to someone, another a woman who I guess who she interviewed and in, in collecting her uh, data or, you know, re- doing her research for the book. A woman by the name of Liz who talks about, you know, yes, I am angry. And she says, I'm angry that someone like Shonda Rhimes can be maligned in the most respected newspaper in the country because there is no female black editors at the New York Times who could have said this is ridiculous. I'm angry that... Uh, mm. uh, 
that black men don't seem to have our backs. I'm angry that Dean Baquette, the executive director at the New York Times, basically Kanye shrugged and defended uh, Alessandra Stanley, the author. I'm angry that Alessandra Stanley herself blamed black women for being too stupid to get her point. So I think that to your point, not only are we not often allowed to express ourselves and be angry or have reactions, mm-hmm. our like no one ever acknowledges our perspective. Like we're almost invisible. It's like, exactly. oh girl, I didn't mean it like that. You being sensitive, <laughs> or you didn't get what I was saying. You misunderstood me. Mm-mm. So not only are you angry, but no. you're dumb <laughs> because you took it the wrong way. And 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 Liz says. She was talking about a conversation with her supervisor Uh, and her supervisor said, don't get upset. (laughs) Now she said, I didn't raise my voice or have an angry tone the entire time I spoke to her. Of course, like a normal human being hearing don't get upset actually makes me upset because I'm not being heard. Right. (laughs) And that is, that's, that's the common narrative. That's the, that's what's generally happening is that, and, and me and my, and me and me and Tristan had a conversation about that earlier in the car. Um, But it's a it's a huge miscommunication and it's not a miscommunication on our behalf because we are very clearly stating how we feel about something in calm tones and calm manners and professional spaces um, or and what have you, whatever. And whether it be a conversation with your spouse, whether it be with the outside world, whether it be with a supervisor, whether it be with coworkers and uh, and they are breezing past everything we are literally it is literally going in one ear and out the other and then by the time it is all said and done and they are being completely passive and um and uh condescending we are upset right. at that point <laughs> and that's all they see is that we or are that, upset. you know like you said it's well, it's not even that um it's the misunderstanding yes but it's often before we even get an opportunity to communicate anything Mm. it is assumed that we are angry and oftentimes erroneously assumed so uh Mm -hmm. uh, harris also uses the example of michelle obama and the way that she was scrutinized in the media and there was literally nothing that she could do um that wasn't um critiqued and you know considered quote-unquote angry behavior um she pulls out different different examples from you know, every time, like, okay, when, when, even at, when, after uh, it was announced that uh, President Obama won the election and she came out and gave him a fist, a fist bump, um, and the Fox commentator called it a terrorist fist bump, <laughs> and, um, you know, making something as, as literally as innocent as just like a, you know, the way that she gave her husband dap, like she dapped her husband up. Mm-hmm. The way he you know what I'm saying? Like she dapped her husband up <laughs> after literally winning the presidency of, of these United States of America. And, you know, it was assumed that she was being aggressive in, in loving on her husband and, and encouraging him after, you know, making such a, a, a huge accomplishment. Uh, she talked. Speaking in their right. love language. Um, and honestly, uh, there's another example of, you know, the time when they were, I don't, I can't think of the, I can find it. I can look it up. Um, when um, she uh, she wasn't smiling. Oh, when she was at the set of the memorial the memorial service for Nelson Mandela, um, and and President Obama was taking a selfie with the British Prime Minister David Cameron and the Danish Prime 
Prime Minister mm-hmm. um, uh, Hell Thorn- Thorning Schmidt and Michelle Obama was standing beso- behind him and she wasn't in the picture, but she was looking at them and she wasn't smiling. She just kind of had like a regular straight face. And the 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 New York Post, uh, you know, they uh, had an article imagining the first lady gritting her teeth in rage and and speaking of an icy glare wow. and angry looks, um, and it was like, well, she was she was just looking, but like, so she could have been, been like, like she couldn't have been thinking about, oh, I gotta go to Target, after. like, hey, she could have just literally been, or I'm at the funeral right. or so the memorial service be, for Nelson why would Mandela, I just be looking and grinning and acting like you know. I'm at a funeral, my nigga. What do you expect? Yeah. You don't see tears, so I'm I'm, so I'm pissed. The like. times that I have uh I have been not all of the times, but many of the times that I have had been confronted with this angry um you know label, people have assigned me this label is you know before I've even been given the opportunity to open my mouth. Because like Michelle Obama, you know, I'm a black woman and I'm a black woman of a particular size in stature. So if I come in the room at five foot ten and if I happen to have on a shoe and I'm, you know, six feet or better. And, you know, if I look you dead in your eye and I I don't shrink when I when I greet you or, you know, I might not be skinning and grinning or, you know, super extra bubbly. I've been told that I'm in- intimidating or unapproachable even before I have opened my mouth. Like literally I have been sitting there in <laughs> silence yeah. and have been told that, you know, I needed to be warmer <laughs> or like, and I'm like, well, what, how exactly, <laughs> how exactly, uh, <laughs> because I don't, I'm not following. <laughs> um, Do I need to show, all, I have to I show all, all my, my teeth and like, guns? What exactly is it that you're looking for? Um, I've also been called spicy. Now this is, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. This is from, in, in, I don't even want to say dating because this is even before you get to dating, right? This is when you're talking, you meeting and talking, talking. and getting to know someone. Talking. Um, and I have been called spicy if I have an opinion <laughs> or, or, mm-hmm any kind of response. So any kind of anything other than a, a a yes or a sure or a whatever you like. (laughs) I have been called spicy and, and literally what is baffling is like, even when I've been asked a question, like, like you asked me. So um, I'm trying to think of, of an example this actually happened. Okay. Uh, me and dude is getting ready to go get something to eat. Dude looks at me and says, what do you want? I don't really know. I don't really have a preference. Um, yeah, you pick. Um, I want you to pick. I was like, but I asked you to pick. So you go back and forth and do all of that. And I, I'll say something like, um, all day long, I have I have been making choices for myself and deciding what it is that I want to eat. Um, and I'm saying that I will literally go along with whatever it is that you want. And I'm okay with that. Like, you're not going to get no dispute out of me. So literally just pick the place, okay? 
Like, this is what my response is. Mm-hmm. He looks at me and says, you so spicy. Like, my nigga, what? Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, no. What? <laughs> because I didn't do what you wanted me to Fiery. do. Because I had, because I, I'm asking you, like, come on, like, I don't know. And that's just literally one example. It's literally one example. Yeah. That happens to me more often than not. Um, or if I disagree with something, or if I have an opinion, or if I if I make a suggestion, it's like, ooh, you so you're so sassy. It's like, what? Like. I hate it. I had, or where the anger is actually completely (laughs) warranted, such as, so here's a story for you. I might have said it. I don't know. I was at the bodega purchasing my dailies and, um, and I walked out and this nigga grabbed my arm. So I was in a particularly bad mood that day, but regardless, (laughs) you don't touch me. Don't touch me. You don't know me. You don't have any authority to lay a breath on me. So this nigga grabs my arm. So immediately I snatched my arm and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And he was like, no. And he jumps back big eyed, like <laughs> with the whoa white woman stance. And he's like, no. And I'm like, no, nigga, no. Don't fucking touch nobody that you don't know. I was like, what, do you know me? I was like, do you know me? Did I tell you you could touch me? I was like, no, I don't know you, nigga. You don't know me. I don't know if you washed your hands. You might have pissed, touched your dick. I don't know what the fuck you did. I was like, but you touching me? It's like, get the fuck out of here. So he's like looking at me like I'm a rabid dog. And he's like, yeah. I was like, don't tell me I don't have to do all that. You don't touch me. Like, don't come up to a nigga that you don't know and lay your hands on anybody. Like, don't grab my wrist. Don't grab my arm. And you need to be happy that I didn't whip this taser out and fry your ass like a piece of halibut. Like, come on, nigga. Like, get out of here. And in situations like, like, why are you like, and so Uh, I'm angry. Right. So, yeah. So it's clear that this is something that we have both experienced. It would be awesome to know and get some conversation (laughs) about uh, going about the ways in which we've all encountered uh, the angry black women trope uh, because it, it's real and it happens in many, many spaces. It's happened to me in, um, yeah, it's happened to me at work. It's happened to me uh, in dating situations. It's happened even in my family. Um, uh, and I related to mm-hmm. uh, another uh, segment in the book um, that talked about when, where a woman shared that, you know, feeling that her father didn't like, women black women specifically because he said lots of things like you know y'all know how y'all are y'all are bossy and loud and all this other stuff Mm -hmm. um and feeling you know how that impacted her in her upbringing and wondering you know how she internalized that and and felt shame for you know having an opinion and feeling like and and reacting to things which Mm -hmm. warranted a reaction (laughs) um and i think one of the my favorite parts about the chapter is that I really feel like uh, Harris does an awesome job of making that really plain. Um, she talks about how, you know, it's really not fair that Black women are kind of held to this unreasonable standard of needing to be okay with everything all of the time for fear of, you know, their responses or reactions or opinions or ideas being uh, some sort of indication 
of this inherent, innate, unshakable anger. Like no matter what we do, we're mad all the time, um, which I feel like is, you know, I kind of can see my struggle with that is like, I don't feel like it's fair that it's assumed that I'm angry. I think you should allow me to express myself and give me the benefit of the doubt, just like you would anybody else. I don't think it's fair that, you know, other people, uh, white men, uh, white women, you know, you know, even, even black men sometimes, not often, but in some cases it's okay. You know, it's it's not often, but it's okay. Like a, a black man, a black man who does, a black man who is, is assertive and agentic and career focused, um, is, you know, is considered someone who is ambitious and, um, enterprising, someone who is forward thinking about his career. A woman who has those same characteristics is, you know, considered, uh, you know, a viper, <laughs> uh, you know, someone who is cutthroat right. and, you know, these are, these are things that are assigned to her without giving her the opportunity to manifest and express her own personality and traits. So I don't feel like we're all kind of clumped into, I don't think it's fair that we're all kind of clumped into this basket, but at the same time, I do feel like in the, in the timeless words of Solange, you know, we got a lot to be mad about and I feel like it's, it's okay. It's okay for us to, to be upset sometimes <laughs> because we got a lot to be mad about. Like, honestly, Liz, Liz, so she says, so that was another quote that I wanted to share. Yes, I'm angry. I'm angry because I can't and don't know how to express my anger. I'm angry because all of my feelings and my sister's feelings, hurt, pain, joy, accomplishment are met with derision. So, so we, we do, we have so much to be upset about. Kia and I had a discussion prior to the show about Claire Huxtable. Because let me just say this, Alessandra Stanley in her, in her article, um, she compared Olivia Pope and Annalise Keating to Claire Huxtable and said that, you know, the uh, Annalise and Olivia are different than from Claire Huxtable. But uh, I think they said that she was benign and, oh God, I can't think of the other mm-hmm. word, but whatever it was, it was totally not what Claire Huxtable was, right? <laughs> like in no way was, uh, First of no, all, I think benign and reassuring. They called... They called Claire Huxtable yeah, benign the character and benign and reassuring, and and which which further confirmed for me that Alessandra Stanley had absolutely never ever watched the Cosby Show, um, a day in her life because Claire Huxtable life. was many things benign and reassuring, uh, was was you know not not one, one or two of of the, those things. Claire Huxtable kept her foot on those niggas' necks. All eight seasons of the Cosby Show. I mean, in every last one of them, from Cockroach to Theo to Cliff Elvin, to Elvin. She let all of them have the white men in the board. Like, everybody. I was just watching that episode the other day. The episode where she was on uh, the television show with the three white men. And they, you know, got upset. You know, they were, they were bothered by her participating in the show and actually um, countering you know, she. I guess that it was assumed that she was just going to sit there and agree with them until it was time for them to talk about black people stuff, and then she would be permitted to, you yep. know, flex. So, you know, at yep. every like, there there are countless examples of the ways in which Claire exam Claire Huxtable um, was a dynamic. I mean, and there there are people who didn't really care for her uh, character, and I think that's fair. 
but I, you cannot argue with uh, the character of Claire Huxtable being presented as a dynamic, multidimensional uh, black woman, right? Who had great size, and we saw a range of Claire's emotions, right? Yeah. Um. So, but they were always handled with grace, and that's the thing, and that's why it's like, how can it translate? How and that's how we know that this lady has never watched an episode of the Cosby Show in her life because in every single facet in which Claire expressed herself in every single um, environment, totally. it was always handled with grace. From the way that she told them white men about themselves to how she told Elvin about himself when he assumed she was a mm-hmm. docile uh, doormat of a woman who, you know, got his husband whatever and, you know, mm-hmm. jumped on one leg and barked like a dog. Like, she told him about himself, but she did it in an elegant and graceful manner. How, there's no way that that can be translated as benign uh, or or angry. Reassuring, but angry. She's not an angry black woman. She's a black woman who's very sure of herself. She's a black woman who has a voice. She's a black woman who gets fed up and, and speaks out when it was necessary. Totes, totes goat. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I can, even though this angry black woman trope has uh you know frustrates me i can definitely say that there are times where it has given me pause um and i have made choices or even considered doing things differently to avoid uh this angry black woman label um so i wanted to talk a bit more about the ways in which uh not not only how the how the angry black women trope has affected our our lives but our behavior specifically so are there any in the ways you know are there are there times that you mm-hmm. thought twice before reacting or you acted like something that was bothering you didn't bother you or you didn't say that it was bothering you because you didn't want to be that girl <laughs> yeah i um I, I like when it comes to spaces when it comes to professional spaces or white spaces, you know, where I have to deal with deal with other people, um, I, 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 I speak up. You know what I'm saying? Like it is what it is. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I have to say, and I'm gonna say it respectfully because I respect you as a human being. But I don't care. Like it's gonna be said if it needs to be said. Um, but I have had that situation more so. I I found when it comes to dealing with this with uh, black men, whether it be in a relationship where you don't want to, um, you don't want to instigate an argument even further. I've found where I might have fallen back just for the fear of right. like, okay, if I speak up and say this, then I'm going to be labeled this, you know what I'm saying? And um, that's not, that's not necessarily a healthy space. Right. It's not something I'm proud of, but it's definitely something that I've had to do. Like, and I think that it's real that we have to negotiate right. these things. Um, exactly. Because I have, like you, like you have really, really thought mm-hmm. I can't, you know, you know, I definitely absolutely most positively want to say something, but I realize that if I do, I'll be labeled a certain kind of way, or there's a great chance that, you know, what I, what I, my intention will be misperceived and, um, you know, there'll be consequences that could, you know, mess up Mm -hmm. this opportunity or, you know, affect this money. Like, you know, I have, and it's it's weird. It's, 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 it's a, 
uncomfortable place to right. be, right? Because there are things and values and, and, and beliefs that are important to you mm-hmm. as a person um, that you don't want to compromise, uh, but you realize, you know, but you have to really weigh out the cost of certain things and, and make it and make the right decision. And sometimes you nail it and sometimes you don't. So there have been times where I have said something and it probably was a, it wasn't, I didn't say it the right way. So there are times where, you know, I might, I, I probably should have waited or, mm-hmm. you know, allowed myself to calm down emotionally before, you know, speaking so that I could respond, right. react and or like not throwing a banana at that nigga's window. Right. And be a, be a bit more thoughtful. Yeah. Um, and then there are times when I didn't say anything and literally have been guilty about it. Like felt Stewing. like literally Stewing like feeling like, man, man, like, and then, you know, like I had the that, chance, right. Dealing with that internal kind of mm-hmm. dissonance around like, uh, around around those kinds of things so like um that's a tormenting feeling too yeah, because the thing about fair. it is right. when you when you fly off the cuff which you know i clearly have done uh <laughs> more times than i can even think about it's just kind of like well i said what i said or right. you know what i'm saying like it's out there now like i just gotta deal with it but i find in those moments where i don't say what i need to say and i had the opportunity to do so um, right. to be the moments that that torment me the most right and i mean that's a that's a definitely a, a fine line um it's just a, a difficult place to negotiate harris talks about that in the book as well um mm-hmm. and talks about having or trying to figure out and find that balance between not allowing people to walk over you and kind of getting because i mean that that's a that's something that you can kind of fall into a pattern there was one woman in the book who talked about her feeling caught between not wanting to to be like women in her life who were kind of doormats and unhappy in their relationships because they kind of just contended with things that were ridiculous, like, you know, years of infidelity or all kinds of physical, emotional abuse, um, but they just kind of dealt with it. And uh, she said their sadness was palpable and she felt sorry for these women uh, but she always knew that she didn't want to be like them. Um, but she also didn't want to be the other side of the spectrum and be like other women in her family who were who were angry. Um, and even if rightfully so, the way that they the co- their coping mechanism for that anger was like fighting and 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 doing other kind of unproductive things that didn't alleviate uh, the anger, but really kind of like. Um, perpetuated it like or even like you know mm-hmm. produce more of it just kind of like you sitting in this anger and you just all things make you mad this kind of bitterness that's not healthy so mm-hmm. we have to really think about ways to handle it um, because you know the the final subsection in the chapter is about you know swallowing anger and, and how that mm-hmm. you know can be detrimental to our lives in, in different ways. So that'll kind of, I think that's a good segue to the last question that I had in terms of um, what, you know, being that, um, are there ways to combat this this angry Black woman trope 
Um, and how can we support each other in managing and dealing with it? Um, you know, as a community of women of color and even as a community of women in general, because I'm sure that there are, you know, well, I don't want to say I'm sure that there are, but you know, there's a possibility that there are non, <laughs> non, uh, <laughs> non-black or, or non-women of not white women. I guess I should just say plainly that listen to our show. I hope you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Are, but and and you know are maybe unfamiliar with this experience and you know want to know. Mm. Uh, you know, want to learn better or just have understanding of what it is that we go through. How it, how is it that we can have useful conversations uh, about mm. this? And is there a way to dismantle it? You think? What do you think? I think the way to dismantle it, you, I'm going to say the same thing that I have said on <laughs> 35 episodes. Oh, Lord. Which we, I, I feel like at some point we probably need to just put on a t shirt, so don't steal it. <laughs> What you think about me is none of my business. So I say that to say, I feel like there are spaces in which we've tried to navigate, which is another reason why we are so frustrated. Um, There are spaces in which we've tried to navigate and combat that by making sure that we express ourselves in the most clear manner that we possibly can without emotion, all of that, um, and still have not been heard. And that's where a responsibility has to come in from the other party. Um, And that's how I feel like it's truly going to be combated and solved and understood is when other parties, whether that be black men, whether that be white men, whether that be white women, just other parties take a step back and listen to what it is that we're saying. Um, And that's how I feel like it can truly be solved. And until that's, until that, happens i'm i'm going to be quite frank and say i don't know because i feel like we have been trying to navigate as best as we can for as for a very long time um and it just it, it it's hard because people are not hearing us and they're not seeing where we're coming from and i i think that those other people like you said those who listen to this show and so forth try to understand where we're coming from and listen to what 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 we are saying and not all the time how we're saying it. You know what I'm saying? I know sometimes it's about how you say things and not what you say, but try to take a step back and see what we're saying. Because a lot of times there's a reason why we have that emotion behind us. You know what I'm saying? Totes. What about you? I mean, I think that, you know, along the lines of what you're saying, I think that a way to combat the the stereotype and to also support one another is to continue to have conversations just like this one. Um, I know it feels really daunting to think about how do we dismantle this age old, century old stereotype generalization Mm -hmm. about who we are as, you know, a dynamic group you know what i'm saying like black women are not all the same um and we do not all experience the world the same way we don't have the same responses and reactions and emotions about things um and i think that the only way that we can combat um the combat this this negative narrative about who Mm -hmm. we are is to continue to you know discuss the wide full range of our experience in the world um, as often and as loudly as we can. Um, Yeah. 
I think that, you know, you eat the, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. So it might even be one conversation at a time, finding ways to, Absolutely. finding ways to, you know, challenge these things when they happen in real time, um, to yeah. call people out, um, and even call ourselves speak out. Up. Right. So I was going to say, yeah, call yeah. ourselves speak out, up, right? call ourselves out about the things that we do, um, that perpetuate this false narrative. Um, and, and just being more intentional about being critical of it and, um, mm-hmm. empowering future generations, um, to do the same and celebrating um, instances where um, this heterogeneous or varied varied and diverse uh, representation of the perspectives and experiences of Black women um, are celebrated. So in movies like Black Panther um, that kind of turn traditional notions of what it means to be a Black woman in power and a Black woman in leadership on its ear, and making sure that we have not only just not only just go to the movie and talk about uh, and not only go to the movie and celebrate its greatness at the movies, but to continue to have conversations about it, not just amongst why ourselves, so but yeah, why it's so mm-hmm. great and and why we need more and more like it. I ask every white person <laughs> that I know if they've seen have you seen it. Let's talk about it. Um, Let's talk about uh, it. And I also feel like we've got to start. You know, we should just thank you, Solange. She's just everything. I I was going to say, we should just start making sure that we have seats at the right tables. Since I have been, you know, finished up my my degree and had the opportunity to do some of the awesome things that I've been able to do, I've really gained a new appreciation for what my education, my degree, what this what it means and what it entitles me to. So there have been opportunities for me to, to serve on uh, panel review boards, you know, at different government agencies that are providing funding for institutions. And that gives me, you know, a platform to critique kind of like conventions and, and, you know, ways, norms and and ways that we have think the thought about and looked at, and assessed and evaluated and understood things that are quote unquote standards of excellence and quote unquote best practices that, you know, exclude our perspectives and our experiences and our needs Mm -hmm. as people of color. And I feel like we have got to continue to work as hard as we can to make sure that our perspectives are represented at these very important tables so that we can combat the negative, the negative uh, stories that are coming out. So to the quote that we read earlier about um, when Liz was saying that she was angry, that there was not a black editor at the New York times uh, who could say uh, this, this, this is a problem (laughs) who who could, who could have called Alessandra Stanley out on the problematic things in her, in her piece, the same to be said for, when uh, Carol's daughter put out those messy commercials, why wasn't there someone in leadership? There was not a one black person on the marketing team at Carol's daughter at the time who was able, you know, who could have called out, you know, the things that were wrong about that ad. The same could be said for uh, that Kardashian girl in the Pepsi commercial. I mean, 
I'm, I could go on and on and on. So I, on <laughs> I think a way that, uh, some short story, long story short, we got to make sure that we are in position to change the narrative in substantive ways. So change the narrative, you know, locally as it relates to our own families and friends and the people who we encounter every day, but also uh, vying for positions of leadership and power and creating our own spaces that will allow us to shape the narrative on a more broader, even global spectrum. Uh, So yeah, man, I think that this was really fun. I, I didn't really think that, I don't know. I was a little nervous about how this, this book club was going to go, but I'm hoping that Jaden and I started a a conversation that we can continue. Um, We've talked about, uh, ha- uh, Tamara Winfrey ha- Harris's um, book, The Anger Chapter specifically, and the things that kind of resonated with us in our reading. We would love to hear your mm-hmm. thoughts or reactions to some of the things that we said and keep the conversation going. And we would also love to tackle some other concepts in the book that Harris gets at. So please, please Absolutely. let us know what your thoughts were and jump in. You know what I'm saying? Let's make this book club a real life thing. I'm really excited about it. I'm I'm super excited about it. I I love how I'm having a good time. Absolutely, yeah, man. I'm having a good time, and I'm and forgive 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 my ums and my stuttering and stammering. Uh, <laughs> this is off the cuff. Like we don't sit down with scripts and and think about you know exactly what we're going to say. A lot of the things. This is our natural conversation. This is how we talk amongst yeah. ourselves, and we're inviting you to our kitchen table to join us. So we hope that uh, you'll bear with us as we figure out, you know, the ins and outs of our, of the getting grown book club. But so far I got to say, I'm having a good time. It's a wang dang doodle. It's a blast. (laughs) All right. Let's hurry up and do this. Honestly, bosses. This episode is long. It's Jax. Honestly. Truly. Let's jump right on into it. Hi, Jade and Kia. Thank you so much for providing quality content every week. You two make my long commute to work so much more bearable. Thank you so much. I've been listening since week one and you guys are like my cool older cousins in my head, which is why I want to get to your advice on my situation. So here it is. I just ended an eight year long relationship about five months ago. We'd been dating since we were in high school. So the transition has been tough for me. I lost someone who I literally grew up with and has been by my side since I was a teenager. So these last few months have been an emotional roller coaster. My issue is that I'm still very much in love with him and I wish things could have turned out differently. I was the one to initiate the breakup. However, after we'd been separated for about a month, I suggested that we give it another shot since I felt like the issues were fixable. However, he wanted no Hmm. parts of it. He stated many times that although he loves me, he wants to focus on himself and would like to remain just friends. This is difficult for me because I am definitely still head over heels in love with him. And I think that with a lot of effort, we could have a healthy relationship. After being rejected a couple of times, I stopped bringing up my feelings of wanting us to get back together. And I'm respectfully staying in the friend zone. Although it's been months since we broke up, the pain is still just as overwhelming as it was back then. I do have good days, but most days I overanalyze things I could have done better. And I remember that even if I were to get to a point where I felt comfortable dating again. I'm 25 years old with no real experience in dating around as an adult, so I wouldn't even know where to start. It's a vicious cycle that I can't seem to stop. I think I've done a good job respecting his wishes, but how do I get over him when I'm still in love with him? Have either of you ladies experienced anything similar? If so, how did you cope? I know everyone's experience is different, but any advice would be helpful. 
Thanks and keep up the incredible work. Bless Thank your you heart, me. beloved. Okay, yeah. sis. A couple I, of things. Mm-hmm. I know that it sucks, right? I don't. I, let me just start off there. I don't want to. I respect your feelings, right? They're fair. They're real, and I feel like you have a right a right to them. I want you to respect them as well. Absolutely. I think that your first breakup is always going to be, especially after such a, such a long and extensive relationship with someone who you who you have been with for such a long time and, and know so well. That's going to be. That's not something that you're just going to be able to hop, skip, and jump over. And just, you know, on to the next. Um, I don't think that that, that's that's fair. I think that you should allow yourself to grieve the loss of your relationship. Mm -hmm. And that that does not have to be, uh, you know, a finite. Like, you know, I don't want you to feel like I should be over it by now. Um, Because we're talking eight years, right? So, like I said, it's going to take you a little time to get over it. But I do feel like, I I would want you, in my experience, I will say it wasn't until I started to not necessarily. So I think it's fair. You It's easy to kind of go back to that space of analyzing. You said you overanalyzing all that went wrong and the things that you could have done better. But it's not until that you stop, you know, crying over the spilt milk um, and trying to figure out things that you know at this point it's like water under the bridge um it's not until right. you stop trying to cry over the spilt milk that you can kind of focus on and seek the perspective that you need in order to move forward so it's not always about figuring out why it happened but it's like all right this is what it is right now so what am i supposed to do with this time and you said yourself that you've not dated anybody else and you don't know how to do it so you know Learn. <laughs> learn you know what i'm saying like there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing there's nothing wrong with 25 is young as heck man and you, know, you your time is far from being run out you know what i'm saying like you got plenty of time plenty of life and uh you know what i'm saying so much life grieve the loss of your relationship is over but your life is not and you got to figure exactly. out okay what your life is about now. You know what I'm saying? Like it's more to you than this relationship. So much, so much, so much, so much more to you than this relationship. You don't have to have all of your eggs in this basket. And I will go about the business of trying to figure out what that is and how do you cultivate it? And how do you learn how to be by, be okay so that when it's time for you to get out there and get some more dating experience, you'll go about it from a place of, from 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 the right place because I, I don't want you to, you don't want to be in a relationship just because you ain't been in a relationship with nobody else that's dangerous <laughs> that's you know it. what i'm saying like like you've been in a relationship a long time so maybe you don't you know it's it's fine for you to date around but i you know maybe you want to take some time to get to know yourself a little bit and yeah he said he was going to he's taking some time to focus on himself so maybe you should too focus on himself Say, you know what? Take that as a sign to say, let me do the same thing and don't focus on him. And the thing about it is I'm talking to you from 
pure experience. (laughs) Like we have gone through it. When I, when, 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 when I broke up with my, when my ex-fiance broke up with me, it was, it it felt almost like, like I had lost somebody in death and, you know, and still talking and still having conversations and everything else, but it just wasn't the same. And it was heartbreaking and it just shattered my heart every time we had a conversation. Um, it just wasn't good for me. And so I understand completely where you're coming from. And I understand where, you know, sometimes it feels like you don't know how you're going to put one foot in front of the other because this person who has been such a staple in your life for so long um, and through so many stages of your life, because if you've been if you're 25 and you've been with him since you were in high school, you guys have experienced a lot together, a lot of firsts. Um, a lot of new things together and you've gone through some really pointed periods in your and you're growing up um, together but it's not the end of the world it's not the end of you at all because like Kia said you have a ton of life to live and so therefore I try to figure out what that life is and what that looks like and figure out the things that you enjoy doing that you enjoy doing by yourself and things that you would want to share with another person, common interests and, and so forth and so on. So that when that time comes again, you're in a healthy place because you're good with you. And I know that sounds yeah, real Eonlish, <laughs> but you gotta you gotta figure out what you want. You gotta figure out what you like. You gotta figure out what you enjoy. Um and get out there and do those things and truly enjoy doing them. And at first it may be a facade. Yeah, fake but it till you make it. Day, fake it. One day, fake <laughs> it till fake you it. make it. Because one day you're going to look up and you're going to say, I'm actually having a good time. Yeah, for real, real life. I'm actually having a good time right now. And you're going to stop for a second and you're going to have that moment and you're going to appreciate it even more. And so I would just try to focus on getting to that Um and just continuing to live your life, whether that be school, uh, whether you're on a career path or what have you, but also just the things that you enjoy and just learning yourself and what that looks like so that you are truly yourself when you when you end up back in a situation with somebody yeah, else. You know, but I wouldn't focus on ending up with somebody else or I would There's focus on more you. to you than who you're partnered with, whether or not you're partnered. Uh, yeah, like anyway. you are. Yeah, that's really the bottom line. And I hope that you receive this in the in the spirit that we give it. So we're not saying that you're not entitled to these feelings, but we're telling you that there is definitely life on no. the other side of them. If you just keep um, day by day, you know what I'm saying? Literally day by day. And I promise you, write this down. Mm-hmm. You will get to the point where you will be grateful. <laughs> You will learn. Listen, Great. I know it doesn't Ooh. feel like it right now, but I promise you, you will look back. Because yes. I'm telling you, you ain't even, life ain't even really punched you in the face yet. I probably like 25, 25, baby. Listen, listen to people. I'm telling you, 25, you will look back who, what I thought I wanted, who I thought I would, would be. What what I the things that I thought were my priorities, what I thought I liked, what mm-hmm. I you know, all of these things changed so change. much from when I was twenty five. They changed so much from five years ago when I was thirty. And I mm-hmm. can tell you right mm-hmm. now, 
the person who I thought I would have been with forever at 25. When I think about that right now, I can't do nothing but lift my hands and tell God, thank you. <laughs> I want to thank him for closing all Gracias. of these doors. Oh my God. In such a way. Listen. Gracias Dios mío. Listen. Mi padre. Because I be t- I'm very frank with the Lord. I be like, sometimes the Lord closes doors on me in a way that's like, this door is never to be opened again. And it hurts like heck right at the point where the door is closed. But now I can literally go back and stand behind, in front of the door and be like, thank you. Thank you, big God. Because <laughs> you be knowing. Okay? Mm. So I know it feels mm-hmm. like crap right now. Mm-hmm. But you're going to be all right. But you you're are going to be just fine. You are. And like he said, you are going to look up one day and not only just be fine, Listen, but be you are- thankful <laughs> and be appreciative <laughs> of where you are. And, 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 you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe y'all will end up down the line, but maybe y'all will not end up together down the line. Right. I mean, cause it, I mean, if it comes back to you, then it's yours. And when it comes back to you, if it comes back to you, you're going to be better. He's going to be better because you guys have had time to work on yourselves alone. And you're going to be one of the most goals ass couples Listen, that niggas have ever seen. In relationships, but, two halves don't make a whole. You can't take half a man and, or half, you know, half a partner and another half of a partner and put it together. And make, No, you need no. two whole people. Don't focus on being goals with somebody. You need to focus on being goals by yourself. Right. You know what I'm saying? And not Instagram goals, real goals. Focus on being like the best you that you can absolutely be. Absolutely. Real time and living color. And living color. So, yeah, girl, I hope that's helpful. Uh, Give us an update if you want. Um, You know how to reach us. And anyone else who has a question for the Honesty Box, Y'all know to send them emails to gettinggrownpodcast at gmail.com. And we're going to move on to the petty peeps. And I want to be very responsible of the things I say to my sister. Because everybody know I can be real petty. P-E to the T-T-Y, honey. Petty peeps. Come on. You got runs. All right. This is the very last segment. <laughs> you sound so me. tight. It's a late one for us. <laughs> um, it's a listener petty peeve, uh, but it is also I picked it because um, while I was doing the Q and A segment this weekend, uh, a young lady came up and touched the back of my hair. Huh? She dug her fingers right into my the back of my head. What? Uh, and moved them around in a circular motion. What? Um, which I then jumped. I had to remember, like, oh, hey, I'm hosting a Q&A. <laughs> really? And there were even people, yeah, there were even people uh, who were behind, well, oh, no. And they saw, I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the girl was like, no. She's like, um, is that a is that a weave? Is that a wig? I said, no, it's mine. Like, come on, sis. Don't touch. Don't come, on, come You know, come on, you know guys. better. So the listener, Petty Peeve, says, praise the Lord, niggas, for he is good all the time. Yes. <laughs> yes. First and foremost, thank the both of you for being the black aunties. I had never who had snatched my life weekly. I am a new listener and have been binge listening to y'all unapologetically. Go ahead, sis. Oh, yeah. My Petty Peeve is one that I, that was born into. I'm a biracial woman with a white mother and white siblings. And the questions that I get from both white and black folks that I just meet are so irritating. I'm not adopted. My mother birthed me nine 
whole entire months. Thank you. <laughs> they ask the most invasive questions about my sex, my sex life. Like, yes, since you must know, I am only attracted to black men. And no, I have never had sexual relations with a white boy. White boys think it's cute to ask me if I want a piece of their white chocolate. What? Just no, sit down. I'm confident that I'll be unimpressed and I am not something to check off of on your bucket list. I'm so tired of people asking me what I'm mixed with as if I am a dog. They ask what which parents is white, which is black, and if it makes a difference, I'm still the same amount of biracial either way you slice it. I may be 50-50, but the same rules still apply. No, you cannot touch my hair. And will I wear weave if I ever so feel like it? And I will wear weave if I ever so feel like it. I identify as a black woman because I do not feel connected with the white population whatsoever, even though I didn't grow up with my black father in the home due to his... In okay. Um... <laughs> Whoa. This is getting deep. Anyway. Uh oh, so this is long. Um, but I she's yes, I I'm right here with you, sis. Don't touch my hair. <laughs> Don't touch it. I'm just going to uh this has gotten into an entire <laughs> so maybe we'll do a part she two. But <laughs> she did. She really actually went there in a in a very, very, very long email, which we truly appreciate. But I'm right here with you. Don't touch my hair. Mm -mm. Don't do it. Please don't do it. Yeah. What's your petty peeve, sis? All right, Dan, let me just say this. Um, I saw a quote today. I went, I had a meeting at another organization and I had to wait in somebody's office and they had something on there. Uh, I was on like a closet door, like a little poster on a closet door that said, your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency on my part. And this petty peeve is specifically for, um, hmm, uh, <laughs> I want to be careful about my, my language. Um, mm -hmm. I, my, my petty peeve is I don't understand why, how, how we are caught off guard by things that happen annually, like regularly scheduled things. Uh, my example deals specifically with an Easter celebration. Um, and, you know, at church. And this is, you know, not in any specific church in general, but I just feel like in many churches that I have been in and, and, and visited and fellowshiped with over the course of my life, I feel like this is a common occurrence and I just want to kind of get it off my chest. Easter comes every year, <laughs> much like Christmas. Easter mm -hmm. is like the Super Bowl for Christians. You know what I'm saying? It's a big mm -hmm. deal. It we is. sell it is it is the uh, one of the largest, if not the largest celebration that happens at church every year. And I just am, I'm baffled <laughs> by how every year it seems as if we're just throwing together our Easter celebrations just days prior, <laughs> just, just days prior to Easter. <laughs> and I just like, if we know that Easter and Christmas are coming every year, why do we wait yeah. until 10 days before Easter to be like, oh, shoot, we got to do the Easter stuff? Oh man, we haven't we haven't prepared for Christmas at all. And it's December 20th. Now we got to like throw together yeah. something. And I'm just like, man, 
what if we would just like, we know when it's coming. Like we know <laughs> Christmas is December 25th. Every year of Every my year. life, it has been December 25th. Now Easter moves around a bit. I get it. But we know that it's coming. It does. And thanks. And it's always you know on the calendar. Saying? And thanks to good, good old Googleisha. Like I could, I could find out Easter 2020 right now. If I wanted to, I could Google the date. When, let me do it right now. When good. is Easter in tw- 2020? And I mean, within seconds, Easter is Sunday, April 12th in 2020. I know that because I can, it's March right 20, there. You know what I'm saying? But still, still, here we are. Uh, and this year, Easter comes on March 31st, which is literally in just a couple of weeks. Also in 2024, March 31st, just so you know. Okay, true. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, yeah, so I'm just trying to figure out why, why is it that <sighs> here we are in the middle of March and it's like we're just now getting ready for Easter and it's just like... Whew, man, we knew that this was coming. Why are we not ready? There are so many things that niggas know are coming and they just don't prepare Like Beyonce for. don't tell us when the concert is, so I feel like it's okay for me to not be prepared. It is uh, okay. There are other holidays that I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like other things that ha- I don't know when Anita Baker is going to, like, and, and let me do this. Yo, when I am is not, that I, coming? Listen, let me just say this. I'm not comparing Anita Baker to Jesus. I'm not comparing Beyonce to Jesus. I'm just saying for the sake of the point that there are things that just happen and we're like, oh, shoot, I wasn't ready. Let me get ready. But there are other things that we know are coming every year. And we find ourselves scrambling. And I just wonder why that is. Taxes. Like, we know. We know. Taxes. You know what I'm saying? Especially taxes. Let me me apply for my extension. Like, you knew. Like, you knew when you got your W-2s. You knew. But here we are. Uh, that's all. That's that's my peeve. You're, I'm, done. <laughs> I'm done. Well, that is another episode sure of is. Getting Grown. Um, like Kia said earlier, if you have any honesty box questions, kitchen table talk suggestions, um, or petty peeves, send them to gettinggrownpodcast at gmail.com. Also, we really, really, really want you guys to get into the discussion and into the book club. So we'd love for you to participate. So if you are connected in any way, shape, form or fashion um, on social media, please engage in the conversation um, and engage in the conversation with each other. Keep it going. And also get you. There are a few tickets left for the Getting Grown yeah, live y'all show. Yet? April I can't believe that I'm saying this, yeah. but uh, time is of the essence. We sold out. VIP sold out in the first Bruh, day. I was shocked so, to my foundations. Sis, like, I was like, what? So there are a few tickets left. So make sure that you guys get those. And then we're going to figure out some sort of incentive on how we can get those couple of tickets that were bought yeah, to be donated. Yeah, we've got a few people who, um, to those who want are to gracious enough to buy tickets uh, for a giveaway. So we will be doing a giveaway um soon as soon as we figure out <laughs> how how <laughs> uh stay tuned please and thank you if you can join us on April 13th at the Arc Theater in Southeast DC uh for our first live show we would absolutely love to have you we plan to have 
some super dope dynamic conversation uh, with our good sister yes. Crystal of the Reed. Crystal West. And um, yes. she'll be joining us for the Kitchen Table Talk segment. Uh, and yeah, you guys just please come out and kick it with us. We would love to have you. And um, I think I think that's all we got, right, sis? I think that's all we have. There will be merch. There will be so, merch. Um, you guys will be able to get grown or praise the Lord, niggas. Indeed. But in the meantime, make sure you are drinking your water. Right. Minding your business and moisturizing. Why, sis? Because your black will crack if it's dry. Peace out, y'all. Bye.